Good morning, everyone. So good to see this place filled with people. A couple weeks ago, Jose introduced us to a new series we are doing on renewal. And uh, he talked about the need for us to cooperate with God as he works in us and renews our life and changes us. And he used a scripture. Uh, it was in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then it goes on in verse 17, it says, For our light and momentary affliction or troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So in other words, all of us are going through circumstances and sometimes our life feels like a roller coaster. Sometimes, sometimes things are going well, sometimes they're not going so well. But where we really, really grow, and this is where we need to cooperate with God, and that is in the trials, in the tests, because it is there in these momentary troubles that God is achieving his work and renewing our life. And so in this series of renewal, that's what we're talking about. We, we need to cooperate with God. So last week, we were blessed to have David Eubank. David Eubank gave an incredible testimony about how God does this. Now, the affliction that he experienced was the death of his videographer, he said he was shot through the head and through the neck and died instantly, right near him. And immediately, his heart was filled with hatred for the people that had done that. And he was angry. And yet, in his heart, he, he needed to cooperate with God because God had instructed him in the word. Love your enemies. And David said, I can't love him. I can't love my enemies. But God, I pray that you will do it. And he said, in a moment's time, some while later, God just allowed his love to be poured out in David's heart. And David's heart changed toward the people that had murdered or killed his videographer. And that's the way God works. Sometimes we lose family members. Sometimes we have sickness. Sometimes it's financial. There are a myriad of ways that God works in us, but these momentary light afflictions do a work in us to transform us and change us. So today, I'm gonna to be talking about how we need to renew our minds. And the way that 
we need to renew our minds is it's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present yourselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice. And he's saying, I want you to no longer conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there are things that we have to do to cooperate with God in the renewing of our mind. So how does that work? Well, when a, when a child is born, or prior to a child being born, they're in the womb for nine months. And that stage of life, that child, while they're being formed, is in absolute total darkness. But when they are born, they come out into the physical world and suddenly they have gone from the womb, which is total darkness, into the natural light of the world and that changes everything. And they begin to function with their five senses. Well, as they grow, they, they begin uh, to develop and while they're developing physically, socially, and spiritually, one of the things that many are not taught, and that is they're created in the image of God. They have something of God in them in the sense that they have this desire for spiritual things, and yet they're spiritually blind. Because in the natural world, even though we have family and culture and education and many other forms of training and learning, the thing that happens in the physical life during infancy and childhood is that that child is dependent on other people to teach them and guide them as they grow up. When they become an adolescent, they move from being dependent to independent. And the good news is that if you've trained a child properly, they're going to hit adolescence and they're going to just streamline through that and they're not going to have any trouble at all. But if the child has not been trained in childhood, then the thing that happens is that child becomes codependent. And codependency is a huge problem. And we're not going to get into codependency, but uh, one thing that helps overcome codependency is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So then, after adolescence, we enter into adulthood, and in adulthood, things happen. We get married, we go to work, we do a lot of things, and yet we aren't even aware that there is a kingdom out there that rules our life, and we're not even aware of it. You see, there, there are 206 nations in the world today, 206 sovereign governments on seven continents. And every one of these nations have their own form of government. 
whether you like it or not, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, they, they govern the people that are under them. And yet, what most people don't realize is that they're actually functioning under one government, and it's the kingdom of darkness. You see, there's a God of this world. His name is Satan, Lucifer. He's an enemy. And yet, if you don't, if you're not aware of the kingdom of darkness, then you are not probably aware of the kingdom of light. So the light of the natural world enables us to see in the natural world. But the light in the spiritual realm, just like the baby in the womb, they're in total darkness to the natural world. Well, in that same way, a person who has not been born again is in spiritual darkness and doesn't understand what's going on in the kingdom of light. One day, Jesus was talking to a religious leader, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And he was talking to Nicodemus about being born again. And Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light. So there are really only two kingdoms in reality. It's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. So in the kingdom of light, the only people that can see in the kingdom of light are people who have been born again by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the person who doesn't have the Spirit of God can't understand the things of God's kingdom because these things are spiritually discerned. In Corinthians, in the first chapter, it talks about how the cross is foolishness to people who don't believe. People that don't believe in the cross think the cross is foolish. But God says, a few verses later, he says, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness, the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. But we can't understand that unless we have been brought to the place where we have faith in Jesus Christ. So how does that work? Well, in the natural realm, people have this hunger. They have this hunger for the supernatural, for understanding. They have this hunger for knowing what is really happening? Because inside, everybody understands that there's something more out there. You may not realize what it is, but there is a knowing in everybody's heart. So philosophy is a, 
been around for 2,300 years, beginning with Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. And then there've been politics. Way back it, when there was a philosophy in Greece, they also came up with their uh, forms of government. And even before that, there were many forms of government. Moral and ethical standards. Different countries have different morals and different values. And through all of these, whether it's economic beliefs on how people should live and spend their money, or even religious beliefs, all of these belief systems are people trying to find that place that we call the kingdom of light. But I'm here to tell you this morning, and I am not ashamed to say this, the cross of Jesus Christ is the only way that a person can transition from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That is where the spiritual life begins. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has come to reconcile a lost world back to their heavenly father. But before a person can understand and receive that gift and understand their need for a savior, why would you need a savior if you don't think that you're a sinner? You see, if you think everybody's okay and you're fine and everybody else is fine and there's nothing wrong and nobody's offended God, well then why would we need to go to the cross? And the answer is very simple. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to our own way our own way instead of God's way. You see, if we were going God's way, everybody would be flocking to the cross because that's the way to get to God. But that's not how it's working out. The cross is a tough message. It's a gift, but once you receive it, the cross makes demands on your life. And you know what the demand is? You've got to change in the way you think. So what happens? Well, we all like sheep have gone astray. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is that even though a person is walking in darkness, through faith in Jesus Christ and the cross, it has been made possible for a person to enter the kingdom of light. You see, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but they have crossed over from death, which is the kingdom of darkness, into life. And that life brings with it a new way of thinking. 
You see, in the, in the kingdom of darkness, thinking is upside down. Self-centered, ego-driven people going their own way. Dog-eat-dog, vengeance, hatred, fighting, wars, conflict, politics, all kinds of things. You come over to the kingdom of light and you transform into peace, into joy, into forgiveness, into love. But you don't do that naturally. You see, the things that Jesus required us to do, for example, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, eye for eye and tooth for tooth is what you've been taught all your life. But I tell you, love your enemies. Do not resist an evil person. Wow. If somebody's treating me badly, you're telling me not to resist? And Jesus said, no. He says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. He says, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your coat, hand over the other garments as well. Hand over everything. Now, is that natural? No, it's not. That's what Jesus did. A rich young ruler came to him one day and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, this is what you need to do. Boom, boom, boom. Listed off some things and the man says, I've done all those things ever since I was a child. Jesus looks at this rich young ruler and he says, okay, you've done really well. That's good that you've done that. Now, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the Bible says that man walked away sorrowful. You see, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to embrace the fact that he wants you to change your way of thinking. Anybody here ever been hurt by somebody else? You know, I don't know of anybody that hasn't been hurt 30 or 40 times, a, maybe a month or a week or, or in a year. Jesus has got the perfect answer for every conflict that you're engaged in. A perfect answer, and it's in one word. One word. It's called forgiveness. Amazing, huh? Isn't that brilliant? Now, listen, by the way, in renewing your mind, it doesn't take rocket science. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to follow Jesus. All you got to do is be willing to simplify your life and begin to follow him. He was really a very simple person. So the cross is what makes it possible. Now, the benefit of living in the kingdom of light is that we do have forgiveness of sins. But Jesus said, if you want to experience that in its fullness, he says, you've got to forgive everybody that has ever sinned against you. Oh, wow. You know, I, I've got a lot of, there's some folks in my life that I kind of enjoy hating. 
There's some folks in my life that deserve to be treated badly. (laughs) But God says, forgive. Now, it, it sure sounds simple, doesn't it? And yet it's not. Why? Because our, our hearts and our minds have to be renewed. So how do, we, how do we do that? Well, there's other benefits. We have new life in Christ. You see, there's a place in Corinthians that says, we have the mind of Christ. But our problem is we're so conditioned to think the way the world does that this is a real challenge for us. From the time we're children, we're taught how to live in the world, but we're not taught how to live in the kingdom of light. So we have to renew our minds. And then the benefit of reconciliation to our heavenly father. Wow. I mean, here we are. We've been alienated with him. We're, we're foreigners. We're strangers. We're, we're actually, the Bible calls us enemies of God. But through the cross, we are reconciled to the Father and we become citizens of the kingdom of light. So in reality, Everybody that is following Jesus has a dual citizenship. They're a citizen of heaven and they're a citizen of wherever country they live in. So in the the Bible, it talks about three different stages, or not stages, but three events. One is a process, but justification by faith is what happens when a person becomes a new creature in Christ. When a person comes to faith in Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The old that is gone is the darkness. The new that has come is the light. So, in the old and the new. Now, there's another verse of scripture. And this is sometimes, you know, if you're a new Christian, it's a little bit difficult to understand. But Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And what that means is your old self, your ego, that old nature that is a part of the kingdom of darkness has been nailed to the cross And Jesus has taken that old man and buried it when he was buried in the tomb. And by faith, we live a new life. And it says, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the person who is born again by God's spirit, actually enters into union with God. They come to live in the kingdom of light. You and and I get to live in the kingdom of light. But God comes and lives inside of us. 
so that we become children of God. And we have his spirit living within us. But the renewal takes place when we are transformed. But the beginning is justification. The process that we need to go through is called sanctification. And the sanctification is what we talked about at the very beginning. It's what Jose talked about in the beginning of this series. And that is the momentary light afflictions are working in us to renew us as God changes us from one level of glory to another. So that sanctification process is the renewing of your mind. It's when you trust God to work in you. And we mature as we develop spiritual disciplines. Now, some of those disciplines are like scripture memory, scripture study, um, journaling, prayer. You know, one day, the apostles were having a problem. There was a squabble going on in the early church, and they told the people, said, now listen, choose out seven men from among you who are known to be full of the wisdom of God and the spirit of God, and we will assign this problem over to them so that we can give ourselves completely to prayer and the ministry of the word. You see, those two things are vital. The discipline of prayer and the discipline of the word of God, those two things are vital if you are going to cooperate with God and be transformed. The more mature a person becomes, the more the word of God works in their life to change them and conform them to the character of Jesus Christ. So the ultimate goal for all of us is that we come into complete union with God. What that means is that we surrender as much of our life as possible so that God can work in us to will and do of his good pleasure without any restriction on our part. So when we're faced with adversity, instead of praying and saying, oh God, take away my adversity. Take away the problem. Now that's the way a brand new Christian would pray. But a mature Christian would say, bring it on, Lord. Because I'm finding with, it, with every problem, you bring a solution and your solution brings me a greater understanding of who you are. One of, I work in Celebrate Recovery here at the church in the, in the prayer that we have called the Serenity Prayer. There's a passage there. It says, taking and accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. You see, what, the, what does that mean? It means taking the troubles that come our way and 
I look out here and I see a lot of people and I probably multiply that times 25 and that's how many problems we've got right here in this room today, right now. And yet you can turn them all over to God. And you know what the Bible says? Listen to this. God makes all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, there's no bad in the kingdom of light. All the bad, all the drama, all of the negativity. By the way, I've got to share this. I've been praying for a simple definition of sin, and I got an acronym. Sin is self-inflicted negativity. Think about that. Self-inflicted negativity. That's all over in the kingdom of darkness. But if you're living in the kingdom of light, woo! Glory to God, because there's no evil in the kingdom of light. There's no bad in the kingdom of light. There's no negativity in the kingdom of light. There's no bitterness in the kingdom of light. You see, the kingdom of light is where God resides, and God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And wherever there's light, darkness has to flee. Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to live in the kingdom of light. We're all there by faith in Jesus, but a lot of us don't know what a blessing we have. Help us all to hunger and thirst for your righteousness so that our minds will be transformed so that we can understand in a much greater measure how wonderful life is in your kingdom. You said that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And truly, the more we know of him, the more we understand him, the more glory of him we're able to experience. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.